And it's so funny that you said like baby mama because it immediately ignited a memory in my brain of when I used to write shit on Facebook statuses and then do hashtag baby mama drama. <laughs> One, two, Hi, Vibers. Today we're joined with a very special guest. She was born and raised in Barrie, has only moved once, and that's into the current house she owns. She's an emergency mental health worker and is left-handed. Please give a warm welcome to Emily Martin. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I actually almost fell asleep and didn't wake up for a recording because I texted you and I was like, oh, we're still good for our time. And then I kind of like got cozy on the couch. And next thing you know, I woke up and I was like, oh my God, it's 12.55. I think I just snoozed for 15 minutes. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that we made this work because I was a little worried that I was going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, but that would be good because I am an advocate for a good nap. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Me too. Me too. All right. So I just like to kind of start off with talking about how we met. We've known each other for more than 10 years. Has it been 10 years? It's more than 10 years. Yeah. More than 10 years, which is crazy because I feel like there's not that many people that I've known for that long that still I keep in contact, you know, maybe we don't talk every day, but like casual memes, casual messages. So it's always nice to know that, you know, I still have connections with people from that long ago, but I was kind of trying to think about exactly how we met and I couldn't put a pin in it. So I didn't know if you remembered. I don't know. Really? Yeah. I didn't know if it was through a mutual friend at that house party or if it was at Thursday night lights. Like I really was trying and I'm like, I don't remember exactly what the first actual interaction was. I think that I do remember. And I like, I mean, I could be wrong that it maybe was the second interaction, but it's definitely one of our first. And it was when you were working at the Bayfield Mall Cinema. Well, I don't even know what that was called. Like Bayfield Cinemas. I don't know, right? Bayfield 7 Cinemas. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> and you had purple hair. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, no way. This girl's name is Violet and her hair is purple. That's just like so perfect. <laughs> but I was there with a mutual friend and you had gone to high school with her and I had known her from public school. Was that Caitlin? Yeah. So maybe that was, maybe that was one of the first interactions, but when yeah. I think about it, I'm like, oh my God, it was like the house party where there was that house party though. <laughs> yeah. Where was your arm broken or was the other person? No, ben, my ex-boyfriend's arm was broken. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cause that's, that's the interaction that's like stuck in my head. I mean, I feel like I drank a lot that night, so I don't really remember a lot from that night, yeah. but I just remember that being a wild house party and yeah, Ben being in like a sling or whatever it was. Yeah. I'm sure that that's the only reason we started dating was because we both got drunk and kissed that night. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's the tea. <laughs> that is the hot tea. So I'm glad that you mentioned about the Bayfield seven cinemas. Cause honestly, like I completely forgot. I feel like it, that was like eons ago. So I always, and I always think about the times that I would see you at Eastview's Thursday night lights, all of the years after we would just like, 
happen to both oh be gosh. there at the same time. And I'd be like, yo, Emily, what's up? And then, you uh, know, we chat and stuff. And I feel like, again, that was so long ago. So it's crazy yeah. to think that we've known each other for that long. I love that you remember that because I actually don't remember that. Usually Thursday night lights like fell on my birthday or like a couple days before my birthday it was like the end of September. And I have partaken in some substances before I'd go to those things. So <laughs> yes. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if I just don't remember because of that or because it really was so long ago. Uh, probably a mixture of both. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, now our old age and dementia started. <laughs> exactly. Oh God, don't say that. <laughs> and I don't know if back then you were just friends with Nigel at that point or if you guys would have been I guess you guys didn't start dating till grade 12 or after we started dating when I was in college my second year of college but you guys were friends all throughout high school yeah yeah we met in grade nine because I feel like the only reason why I knew who he was was because of you because I would also see him at Thursday Night Lights at ECU and always say hi to him too and I only I like I have no idea how I met him so I'm like I'm pretty sure it was just because you guys were always together and you probably were like hey this is my friend Nigel yeah well interestingly is Caitlin introduced me and Nigel as well actually really I didn't know that yeah they had I think science or something together maybe math and they were hanging out and then she's like you should come with me to hang out with this guy and then we met like two, three weeks into grade nine. And then we were friends, didn't date though until after high school. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that for some reason. I always thought you guys dated in high school, at least in like grade 12, but that makes sense. My timelines are clearly- was a little bit busy knocking up other girls in grade 12. <laughs> <laughs> so actually what I wanted to kind of get into and the reason why I brought up Nigel is because obviously our topic today is be all about personal growth. But I wanted to start off by sharing one of your fun facts that you shared with me, which was that you're best friends with your husband's ex, which is honestly one of my favorite things about you. Like I have always admired how that relationship has grown and become what it is today. And I think it's so cool that, you know, you guys are both able to with Nigel co-parent with, uh, I don't, is it Kirsten or Kristen? I don't want to say it wrong. Oh, it's Kristen. Kristen. Yeah. So I think it's so cool that you guys are able to co-parent and make that relationship work because I know so many people that are from divorced parents or separated parents. And, you know, sometimes the relationships can be really bad with the exes. Mm -hmm. And then that really creates for the problems and trauma, unfortunately for the kids. Right. So I've always admired the fact that you guys have became so close, but obviously I know that that wasn't always how it started. So I kind of wanted to get into that just to kind of even show your personal growth from that standpoint and the fact that where you entered the relationship with Nigel, where he was at with her and how it's progressed and, and become honestly such a beautiful friendship that both of you have. Oh, thank you. I like hearing that. And it's really funny that people are saying, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're best friends. I'm like, oh yeah, but trust me, it didn't start that way. Because if you think about like we were, Tyson was born when Nigel and Kristen were 17, like turning 18. Tyson was born before both of their birthdays that year. So they were both 17 turning 18. Wow. Wild. I know. And then we started dating when Nigel and I were 19, I think 18 or 19. Tyson was one. 
And Kristen, unfortunately, like this is no hot tea. This is just general facts that everyone knows. But Kristen left the family, like packed up and left when Tyson was nine months old. There was no like plan or discussion about what was going to happen there. And then Nigel and I started dating like quite a few months later after Ben and I had broken up, actually. It was funny because Ben and I were actually at the hospital to visit the day that Tyson was born. So I didn't even know that I was like seeing my future stepson, like as an infant minutes old. I have goosebumps from that. That's so crazy. See, I feel like I'm going to learn things I didn't know. So this is so good. Yeah. And then started dating. Tyson was one. And Kristen was in bad mental health. I would say she was definitely feeling postpartum depression without any medical or medication assistance from that. So she was just naturally going through that which makes sense, obviously. She was already prone to depression before having Tyson. So it was just like a bigger catalyst to push her into a deeper depression. And then she also was raised in a household that was very unstable. And she was passed around between family members constantly and had a lot of trauma from abuse of various kinds and neglect of various kinds from her childhood. So she definitely was 17 found herself a parent and was like what the hell is this you know not that she's still in that mindset obviously at all but she was like what the hell I don't have the skills for this and honestly like she didn't get raised by a loving and caring stable mom so she really didn't know how to be that for him so she left imagine I started dating a while later and then because of that all that like culmination of all those different factors leading into or affecting her mental health and her expression of herself I guess she was hateful to me she said rude things to me we were butting heads and I did know her before we started dating before Nigel and I started dating because of me and Nigel being friends in high school obviously then when he was in a relationship with her I did know her as well right in high school people were saying rude things when she got pregnant they were like calling her a slut and all those disgusting stupid words that I was like all you girls saying that are all passing around your boyfriends on weekends and we all know it and you're just not getting pregnant so you know f you keep it to yourself really so we got kind of close in that way but Kristen actually like prompted us to date she was like I see the way that Nigel looks at you I think that you guys are really cute together and then when we did start dating she was like you're a homewrecker you know this and that so it's like she took a turn on me for sure at first and I will say that it took both sides to really even it out because I know for sure I said to Nigel in a a heat of a moment type of feeling like if this is how way that it's going to be I'm definitely not in for this relationship because I did not sign up to be berated for trying to take care of someone's kid obviously like I was just trying to do good not harm any relationships or take anything away and it did kind of simmer out I guess you could say as she kind of learned her new role of like not living not hands-on mom like which I'm sure was a difficult transition for her in a way for her or a thing for her to accept like that must have been really difficult to know that it was beneficial for her to walk away rather than stay and maybe be unhealthy in front of him or around him and not be able to care for him as well. Did Nigel, so like a lot. Did Nigel have Tyson full time at that time? Oh yeah. She never, she, she left, like left, left and did not or have anything to do with him for a while. Yeah. I never realized that Nigel had Tyson full time at that time, but I mean, I can understand like, obviously I can't empathize because I didn't have a child at a young age, but even just having a kid that young, like that could just do so much for your mental health. Like, even if you want to be prepared, I just feel like you wouldn't be a hundred percent prepared regardless of if you had 
a good upbringing or not, but then Mm -hmm. having like a not good upbringing, I feel like, yeah, that probably just was so much more weight on her. So I couldn't Mm -hmm. even imagine what she was going through at that time. Obviously that doesn't use like any mean behavior towards you and stuff, but like, I'm sure she was really going through it. But oh, yeah, for sure. At what point did the relationship between you and Kristen kind of start to change? Was it like as he got older, or like was it something that took a lot of time? I, I know you were just saying that it was like kind of on both sides where you both were kind of having to make an effort, right? Yeah. So I guess I kind of regathered my thoughts as you were saying that because it was like that transition that I was talking about was like the fact that it was simmering out as she was like kind of understanding what her new role was. And I think that I was consistently there made a big difference too. It wasn't like I was just like this girlfriend for a few months and then we broke up and it was over and that was it. Like right. we were, I think that she had, we both had time to understand a, I, I was able to learn and understand her family trauma and the history and why she is the way she is. And then she was able to understand like, okay, this lady, this lady, this teenager is like here and not going anywhere. You know, I better kind of start wrapping my arms around her and and supporting her rather than, you know, deterring her from taking care of my kid. Obviously I was like trying to do good for her. Right. And then it happened around Tyson was, I think four, we were going to meet for a lunch because we had just been like butting heads nonstop and arguing and and then like there'd be breaks of communication where we were just like, nope, we're not doing this. We're not talking for a while. And we never argued or fought or any discomfort in front of Tyson. It was never like that. It was like, if she came over, we just like respected her and let her have her time with him. And then, you know, gave her space and we were not ever hostile in front of him, but it was always over text, which is even worse. <laughs> yeah. Oh and then when he was four, we sat down at, do you remember flashback diner on Bayfield street? Yeah. Yeah. So we met up there. And it was going to be like, just like a lunch, like I said, but it turned out to be like a three and a half hour meeting. I had to call and wake Nigel up because Nigel works nights. I had to call and wake him up and be like, go get Tyson from the bus because I'm not even in that end of town. And we just like talked and talked about what we wanted for Tyson, what we wanted our relationship to be like. We, I guess, like talked about social influences that she was experiencing as well. Like she was in a really toxic relationship also. Like she went straight from Nigel's relationship into a severely abusive, toxic relationship for years and years. And that was really hard because he was discouraging her from having anything to do with Tyson. He was discouraging her from reaching out to Nigel because he was like insecure and jealous that maybe she would go back to Nigel or something because they had that history, right? Which like kind of makes sense or, you know, you can kind of empathize with, but isn't correct. Like you can see why they maybe would think that, but it's not fair. So we just had this big talk of like, you know, forget this guy leave him out of this equation for right now. How can we make things better for ourselves? Not worrying about what he's going to think about it, obviously. And then we kind of just were able to get back on the same page. And she invited us to our church, actually, which is wild because I did not grow up going to church at all. I I wouldn't say that I was atheist because I don't think I thought anything about it. But for sure, like my parents are a little bit like critical of it. Like when I was younger, if like our neighbors were out on a Sunday, like their car wasn't there on a Sunday morning, they'd be like, oh, I bet they're at church or like, you know, oh, those Bible thumpers or like, you know, they were a little, a little bit evasive to churchgoers. So I just kind of had that same feeling. So when she invited her or invited us to church, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll go and check it out. This connects church, the one that you're currently going to. Okay. Connects us. Yeah. Which I was like, sure, I'll go check it out and had no intention of continuing to go always or like every week or anything like that. And then when I went there, I was just like, holy smokes. I like, 
I do not cry. I call myself a cold hearted bitch. Like I can watch <laughs> the saddest shit and I'm just like sad, you know, but <laughs> like walking in there, I had like the vibe, I guess, right. If we're talking about vibe and was vibe, the vibe in Connexus was like so moving and so much love that I was just like, holy shit. I had tears like, and I wow. was so surprised and I was just like, I'm coming back. And I've literally missed it if I was on a trip or like working or something. Otherwise, I love it. It's just like this place where they don't say like, Jesus says to do this. God says to do that. You shouldn't this and you shouldn't that. It's like, here's ways to manage stress. Here's ways that you can love people better. Here are ways that, you know, you can give back to your community. And it's more understandable, digestible to me who has not had the background of anything to do with the Bible. Right. So that I think like has been a huge catalyst in me and her getting along better too is just because it's like, teaching you to accept the things that are going on in your life and how to handle them better and how to be nicer to people. And like, that was a huge influence on our relationship for sure. And kind of roped Nigel back into that too, because like her and I communicate far more than Nigel and her communicate. A, he just like sucks at responding to text. He's not, <laughs> I don't know if that's like all guys, but like most guys, I think just I think so. read their phone and don't answer. <laughs> but then also like out of respect, she said that she didn't feel like texting him behind, behind my back or like, you know, having private conversations with him when I was with him. So she's like, you're easier to contact. And, you know, we get along just fine. I don't have any hostility to her at that point. And we were planning the visits and talking about stuff. And then it ended up that like when Nigel and I got engaged and we were going to get married, I asked him if it was okay if we invited her, because I was like, if you think about it, we're getting married. She's Tyson's mom. Tyson's with us forever. She's with us forever. Yeah. We better be like best friends or like, what's the point? Like what, like how fun would it be if we hated each other or like, we're just meh. Like, that's not fun. Like you don't want your family to be meh. Right. So she came to our wedding. People were kind of like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe she's here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting closer for sure. And then flash forward like five years and I'm maid of honor in her wedding. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Oh, I have goosebumps. Did she just get married or you're going to be her maid of honor? No, she got married last February. Okay. So recent. I thought so, but I couldn't yeah. remember. I love that. I think yeah. that that's so nice. I mean, there's so many different catalysts as to why you guys are at the point that you are now. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is both of you, you know, taking that opportunity to kind of put your own personal stuff aside and just really think about what's best for Tyson. And, and I think yeah. that's so beautiful about really like Tyson has brought you guys together and to develop this like incredible relationship. Like, I just think it's so nice. Like it's obviously amazing yeah. for Tyson, but like now you have like, you know, another best friend and you yeah. can do like family, like holidays and stuff like that. I know. Not awkward. And now she has a husband and you guys can all hang out. I see all your pictures and stuff. And I honestly just really admire, you know, where you guys have come because I did know you back then when things were not great at first with, with her, when you first started dating Nigel and just to see now where it is, like every time you post something with her, my heart just like gets all like warm and fuzzy because I'm like, this is so nice. And I know, unfortunately, so many other people don't have those relationships with yeah. their exes, you know, baby mama, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just so cool that you guys are where you are. And I think, I know you were a little bit worried about talking about personal development because like to sit there and like, think about yourself and how you've developed. I find it's harder. Like if I was to ask mm -hmm. myself, like, how have I developed over the last like two months, two years, whatever, it's harder for me to think about my own personal growth 
Whereas like me looking as an outsider in seeing your life in the time that I know you, I feel like that that's huge. Like that is personal growth. Like you have gone from this young girl who entered a relationship with somebody that already had a kid. So right from the bat, you're taking on this like motherly role that, you know, maybe at that point you hadn't planned on having kids or you weren't ready to whatever it may be to now look at your life and the fact that you have this beautiful relationship, but now you also have two more kids and this big blended family. And it's just Mm -hmm. like so different, so different than like what it was when I knew you back then to what it is now. And I mean, yeah. I, I think that that's such a beautiful thing. I, I definitely didn't know that you weren't, you know, normally going to church or had practiced any religious faith of that matter. Knowing that, like, she brought that into your life, I think also is really amazing because I never, so cool. that. I always see you posting that you're going to church. And I've heard of this church actually for other people that live in Barrie. I've never gone. I'm not a very religious person at all. Either my, my dad, honestly, I think grew up Christian. He used to go to, he used to go to church all the time, but then when they raised us, like we never really went to church. So I don't have any religious beliefs, but to know that you were able to go to something like that for her, because that's something that she was interested in. And then now this has became such of your routine is, is really cool. I I really, honestly, again, I admire all of those things because it's just such an interesting way of how things have changed over the years. Yeah. And it's so funny that you said like baby mama, because it immediately ignited a memory in my brain of when I used to write shit on Facebook statuses and then do hashtag baby mama drama. (laughs) Oh my God. Back when you guys weren't good. Yeah. Anytime I see those, I delete them immediately. Like, you know, in memories, they pop up and you're like, oh shit, why would I write that? Yeah. It's super cringy seeing what Facebook memories come up because like it's from so long ago. So it's not like you normally see it on your Facebook. I delete like 90% of those things. I'm like, why was I writing on Facebook that I'm so sad? My life sucks. Like, I know that's really cringy. Even if my life was sad and it sucked, not everybody in the world needed to know that. You're like, I lived at home and I was fine. I don't know what my problem was. Yeah, I had money in my pockets, food in my stomach, a roof over my head. Life was not that hard. But apparently being an emotional, dramatic teenager, I was like, oh, my God. Keyboard warrior. My My friends failed on me. Oh, my God. Nobody likes me. Meanwhile, people are asking to hang out with me. And I'm like, nobody likes me. Or that stupid boy that I liked for five minutes doesn't like me. Super cringy, super cringy. So gross, eh? Okay, so I did a little research and looked at just some ideas of personal development. And I feel like when we talk about personal development, we we think of just only like one part of it. So I kind of wanted to break down the five areas. So there's mental, so growing your mind in that development, social, potentially, you know, improving your communication, you know, practicing public speaking, spiritual, which I think we kind of talked about already, which was, you know, you looking into your faith a little bit more, and then emotional and physical. So I'm just wondering if you can think of even just over the years as a child to as an adult, 
uh, just ways that you think that you've developed your mental health. So whether that's, you know, you going to church or I do therapy, honestly, I'm a preacher for a therapy. Therapy is like one of the best things. Uh, just any, any insights that you can think of on how you think your personal development has changed with your mental health? Yeah, that's a really good question. And what I think is so important and should be like a legal rule is that like when you turn 18, your parents need to give you a list of like your predispositions to all your mental health issues because oh my God, yes. I, I did not know that I was prone to depression. I did not know that I was predispositioned to anxiety or that I probably fit the criteria for ADHD. I had no idea any of those things were like in my body already and waiting to be coming out. Right. So I didn't realize until I was pregnant with Brooke that I, I like, I honestly think that I got anxiety while I was pregnant with Brooke. I had never felt anything like it. I was freaking out. I just was like, I need to always be moving. I can't sit still. I have to be doing stuff. So it, it was like, a couple of years ago that I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Now I take a medication for that. So that like medically, that's a big part of my mental health is like, I am not as hostile or angry or irritable as I was prior to that. And before that, I definitely was doing personal growth. You know, I was reading books, listening to podcasts, doing good stuff, but still had this like angst in my core that I was like, I was not this person before. I don't know what's happened. And then having that diagnosis and being able to take medication definitely was very helpful for me. Meditation, I think is a really big, I wouldn't say like tool necessarily, I guess you can kind of maybe call it a tool, but like being able to sit still and allow your thoughts to come and go, but being present in the moment, like is pretty good. I don't consistently practice meditation, so I can't, like, I'm not trying to fake it that I'm like this huge (laughs) meditator, but I know how beneficial it is for like mindfulness and anxiety. So that's really good. There's tons of guided meditations on both like Spotify and YouTube that if you were like, I could not sit still for five minutes or 10 minutes, there's like someone who can walk you through it. Cause thank God I would not be able to just sit there with nothing going on for 10 minutes. I can't do, I can't do meditation unless it's guided either. I've, all, I've yeah. only done like a little bit here and there. I, I'm the same way. I'm not going to preach that I do it. Yeah. I did actually, I think it was on Thursday night and did like a, a five minute one, which is nice, but yeah, I can't do it unless it's guided because I can't yeah. sit still either I'm with you. Super ADHD. You're just like, this is friggin' boring. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, unless my body is moving, I can't do it. And like, I, I get it hundred percent when you're, what you're saying with the anxiety and depression, because I also wish that I knew, or at least it was just discussed more growing up that this was something again, that you could potentially have because I have the same thing. And it wasn't until randomly, I want to say three years ago, where all of a sudden it's like new character (laughs) unlocked. You have anxiety. I think I always had a little bit of depression, like growing up, but never anything that, you know, my parents addressed with me being like, Hey, like you're acting super moody. Like, are you depressed? Like nothing like, like, no, I'm just a bitchy 16 year old. Thanks anyway. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's hard to tell. It, it is. And then, and then in the last couple of years, yeah, it's like new character unlocked. You have anxiety. And I am the same way. I actually have an antidepressant that is supposed to help. It's low dose, but it helps with anxiety and, you know, can potentially help with my few highs and lows. Like I'm going to be honest, I am the lowest always when it's that time of month, like it's bad. And my anti-anxiety medication definitely helps. And I've been on it now for about three years and it just makes me a little bit more relaxed and like I can manage my thoughts because 
I don't, I don't know too much about ADHD. I don't know if that's something that's a part of it, but like, if I start feeling anxious, like I just can't even like think straight. Like it's like my Mm. head is spinning off into outer space. So what medication do you know the name of it is? Uh, Ventiflaxin, I think. Oh, I don't, I don't know that one. I don't, I don't know either. (laughs) I just know I just know it works I for me. I take it and I know it works. Yeah. Yeah. I try. I've tried um, another one as well. I don't remember what it was called, but it was like the most horrible medication ever. It was low dose two antidepressant that was supposed to help with anxiety. And I'll never forget that when I started taking it, it actually made me feel so not like myself. Like I felt like mm-hmm. I was like, not me. And that made me feel super anxious because yeah. I didn't feel like myself. And I felt like I yeah. was like, fucked up on drugs and I'm like trying oh, to no. work and like focus and like the last day that I took it and decided I wasn't going to take it anymore I ended up in my co-worker's office because he's working at an office laying on the ground on a pillow in the dark bawling my fucking eyes out because I was oh, like I don't no. feel myself. and like that's definitely not what you want to feel like when you're trying to overcome the feelings that yeah. you're already dealing with right yeah yeah, that's not what medication is supposed to do. No, but like they don't really always tell you that like finding what works for you in terms of an anxiety medication, uh, antidepressant, whatever it may be, is trial and error like birth control. Yeah. One yeah. may work for somebody, but it might not work for somebody else. And and then you for kind sure. of have to go through this period where you're trying things and you don't really know if it's going to help, but you never want to feel yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. I think that like understanding your mental health is huge. Right. And that's like, I guess like bottom line is what we're talking about right now. is like understanding your mental health, understanding your predispositions. Like if you're feeling off consistently talk to your family about it because your family obviously knows what's in your DNA and what's in your predisposition bank of like, what, what thing are we going to pull out this month? Like who knows? <laughs> right. And all of these things, all of these things come from my dad. My dad is the one that has anxiety, depression, and ADD. And so I'm just like, oh, well, thank you so much for being heavy on that side of the genes. My mom doesn't have any diagnoses. Like, I don't know how I say all the time that she's just like this ridiculous, unattainable for me, pinnacle of like super clean house, home cooked meals, calm. And I'm like the fucking opposite. My house looks like a bomb went off. (laughs) I yell sometimes, obviously. And like, you know, obviously I make dinner, but like (laughs) home cooked meal, clean house, like leave it to beaver fucking can't do that. Like I was like, I don't know how you manage to do that. That is not within my wheelhouse. I'm not that kind of mom. And it's just like her brain allows her to do that. And my brain does not. Right. So it's like a big comparison game too. And like kind of bridging that gap of like your capacity, like you can't compare my life to your life or my life to my mom's life regarding our own different capacities. Right. So that's like a big thing, I guess, too, in personal growth is just like recognizing that you can't be comparing yourself to anybody else. Not even if they have the similar, similar life to you, their brain and their capacity is completely different and unique to them. You are you and you're the only you and no one can be you. So how you deal with things is going to be completely different as to how somebody else deals with things, which is honestly really like a shitty pill to swallow sometimes because we kind of get fixated that things should be, I mean, me personally, that things should be the way that they are and you want them to be like this. Just so, yeah. 
And if you can't, then you're like so defeated because you're like, why is it not like this? But it's realizing those things that like you have to deal with things however you have to deal with them, whatever works yeah. for you, whatever, you know, makes you happy and, and then deal with yeah. things that don't. Yeah. I think like what was a really big blessing too is that I was in school for social work, which really like is a program that's supposed to be teaching you how to care for everyone and, and right. you know, have an open mind to everybody and reflect a lot. Like it's a huge that program is a huge advocate for personal growth and development because they're like, you can't be telling other people or, you know, you can't be helping other people if you're not even well yourself, obviously you can't be, you know, saying that you're a social worker, but hating a certain demographic of people like that just doesn't work. Right. So you have to be really growing yourself that way as well. Like people in the program, like if you were freaking homophobic, you should not be in this program. Like that's just obvious. Get out of here. Like, so I'm not talking about like big, huge things like that, but you know, you, you can't be stereotyping people and you can't have yeah. assumptions on people based on appearance and then based on income. And, you know, you have to really be able to break that, break those barriers down and see people for who they are rather than kind of like their titles or like the, the flags that you would say like, oh, here's Violet. She's obviously like living in a cute little condo. She's this and that. So that must mean this. like, those mean nothing. You are your own individual person and you have your own experiences that have gotten to where you are, obviously. Right. So I think in social work too, learning to work on myself and recognize areas that I needed to do more work in, which I think like listening more than talking was a big deal. Like there's like a saying in social work too, that you have like two ears and one mouth. Like you're supposed to listen two times as much as you talk. And I was like, well, I don't fucking do that. Like, <laughs> Same. I'm a, <laughs> the reason we had podcasts is because we're chatty Cathy's. <laughs> exactly. But it, I like that you talk about that, though, like that, that kind of adds into the social aspect of improving your communication. Like, I definitely can say that I haven't always been a very good active listener when it comes to friends, families, whoever. And even I'm going to be honest, even in the last like year, maybe year and a half, I've started to really stop and take the time because like, I would, I don't know about you, but I would almost like think about what I'm going to say next before the person's even done finishing speaking. And now, whereas I'm finding that I'm stopping and I'm just trying to digest what they're saying when they're saying it before I continue on and really giving people the opportunity to talk. And this podcast is honestly really help me kind of hone that in and take that time and not always be like, okay, what are we going to talk about next? And just focus on the now and being more in the moment, which has been really hard for me to, to do because I'm not very, uh, a live in the moment person. I'm a, I'm a planner. Yeah. I'm a Capricorn. If anybody knows anything about horoscopes, I'm a Capricorn. So I like to plan every detail to the T and when it does not go that way, I, I'm chaos. And I've been really trying the last couple of years, you know, with my anxiety kind of happening to really focus on the things that actually create anxiety for myself, like being such a yeah. planner, planning everything to the T creates anxiety yeah. that I don't always yeah. need. You know, there's yeah. situations and times when you need it, but it's not for everything. And, and that's something that I think I wish that everybody else can learn is to just be more in the moment, but also just yeah. listen, take in your surroundings and, and enjoy that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And that's funny that you mentioned your anxiety being a part of that too, because I was going to ask that, like, do you think that that's a part of the anxiety is like, I have to plan what I'm going to say next, or I'm going to sound like an idiot. Like I need to know what I'm going to say next, you know, always having that kind of 
plan you think is helpful until you realize that it's actually setting you up for failure. Yeah, it does. It does. And it has, it's really set me up for failure and doing this podcast. Like it just was really random for me one day, like Steven honestly mentioned that he wanted to do a podcast. And I was like, Oh, I listened to so many. And when I started, when I moved from Barrie to Woodbridge and I started doing health and safety, I was working in an office where it was only a couple of people. So there wasn't a lot of conversation and yeah. me being me, I need to talk all the time. And I honestly couldn't sit still and not have conversations with people. So I started listening to podcasts and I really enjoyed it and I haven't stopped obviously, but then Stephen mentioning that he wanted to do a podcast started making me think that I wanted to do one. And when I first started out, I was really nervous to do it because I'm like, Oh my God, I have to plan everything. It has to go exactly like this. Like if it doesn't go like this, it's going to sound like shit. It's going to be awful or, Oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to mess up my words. I don't want to stumble. I don't want to say, um, uh, whatever, but kind of, you know, having to learn how to do a podcast because I had never looked up anything. I kind of just went, "Hmm, let's do this. And then had to start research. One, it was good because I really like learning new things. So it gave me an opportunity to learn something, but also be challenged in the fact that I couldn't figure out everything right away. So it was constant learning. But then it was like kind of realizing that if I, if I want to have a good successful podcast, some structure is good. It's good to know the topic that you want to talk about. It's good to know the person that maybe you want to talk with, but trying to make it exactly like this question, this question, this question. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Cause you'll have things to talk about, but yeah. that's too much structure and it's not enough flow and you want it. I really like just having an open conversation. I wrote out a bunch of questions. Like I'd mentioned at the beginning to you, but I don't always follow those because I want to take the time to listen to the things that you're saying to me when I'm asking you one question. And then that kind of snowballs into other things. And then you think, Oh, I said something, you start thinking about something else. And then the conversation goes more like a conversation versus a script. And that was really hard for me to manage because again, my anxiety in the fact that everything needs to be so perfect, but it's almost like I've created this beautiful thing out of imperfection. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about emotional progress, anything that you do, like, so do you journal or I I know you kind of touched a little bit on meditation. Have you done therapy or any sort of things like that or anything that you would consider emotional uh, development? Yeah. So I think like emotional development for me, I would say like, I don't know what your household was like when you were growing up, but in my household, we fought hot, which is like screaming and yelling, not all the time, but just like, if there was a conflict, that is how it was resolved. We're not resolved, but like handled, I guess. Right. Like we just like screamed and yelled and then it was done and over versus Nigel's family was the complete opposite where if his mom was upset with you, she would like whisper, like, she'd be like, I really don't like that you did that. Like she would like whisper and then like, and then, or, or just like sweep it under the rug. And then like in three months, there'd be so much stuff that built up that she would maybe burst. Right. Right. So it was really, it was really weird when we started dating, trying to like amalgamate and balance and recognize, oh shit, what I'm doing is not appropriate or not ideal. You know, that's not like great communication. That's not good emotionally to, 
to go from zero to 100 like that. And then on his end too, like that's not good and or appropriate that he doesn't express himself that much or doesn't really articulate when something's wrong, right? So it was this really funny blend of balance that we kind of took each other on because that was my communication style that I was chaotic. I was loud and, and angry. And again, didn't know your depression was in that culmination of faking in my brain waiting to come out. But like, I did not have good communication. And I think emotionally I was very angsty, angry, and it came out that way. And so I would say that um, I did a lot of work in school also like about emotional development, but I think that reading books about, you know, accepting things the way they are and understanding exactly like what you were saying about anxiety is like, you want things to be exactly the way that you think that they should be, but they're never going to be exactly how you want them to be. And, and learning to be accepting of that and learning to be patient with the process and stuff like that. I would say was really big. One of my favorite books that I really made sure I wanted to mention is you are a badass. That is like the best. It's like a bright yellow book. You won't be able to miss it. Yeah. It is so freaking good. You're reading it like she's talking to you, which I think is like the most ideal reading style for me because then otherwise it's just super boring. Yeah. The book just talks about, you know, good about yourself and how that projects outwards. And I think that I probably wasn't feeling super good about myself emotionally. And then that was why it came out like that. It was like, I didn't have the patience or the wherewithal to say his opinion is important as well. What he's going to say to me is important and I need to hear it. It was just like, I'm angry and I need to yell at you about it. Like yep. not cool. Over time, I think like with age also, I have just like chilled out a little bit more, but emotional development is so objective, I guess, right? Like you can't really, you can't really scale it or calculate how much emotional growth you have. But I think like, you know that you're growing emotionally when you're in a situation where you know previously you'd been running away or yelling or crying and you're there and you're able to be handling it. That's like where I can definitely see the growth is like if I'm in a confrontation, I no longer feel like I need to run away or feel like I need to scream at someone. I can actually just like stand there and listen to them. And like that's a huge bonus, obviously, because no one loves to just get screamed at <laughs> out of nowhere. And just like obviously wasn't healthy, but. I think my medication does make a huge difference for that. And like, so I can't really say that I personally have done all the work. Obviously medication kind of helps me to chill out too, but right. I mean, like that's the, that's the hand I was dealt and that's what I was working with. <laughs> no. And I mean, take whatever you can get, right? Like if that's what helps yeah. you and that's what helps you. I feel like that helps me honestly too. I was in the same situation where yeah, fights in my house were very explosive screaming yelling yeah. crying like all the time and I don't really feel like anything ever got resolved it was just like yeah. a yelling match and yeah. I'm in the same position entering in my relationship with Steven Steven's parents are separated so he had two different family styles that he had to try mm. to manage and then adding that into the mix of me and yeah I, I don't I think that there's always room for me to develop better emotional always, skills yeah. I, I'm very, I'm a very emotional person and it takes little to no effort sometimes to make me cry. Yeah. <laughs> like It's so annoying, but it is what it is. But I, I can definitely, you know, agree with the fact that I know that I have grown in some way for the fact that some conversations that I have or disagreements, I'll say, I don't really want to say arguments, but disagreements, Yeah. how I would have dealt with it, you know, at the beginning of my relationship versus, versus how I deal with it now, 
is night and day. Not every time, yeah. but sometimes, <laughs> which is yeah. good. And, and, you know, there's always room, like I said, for improvement. I am a big advocate for therapy. I didn't do therapy a lot and I haven't done it a lot. I wish I would have done it when I was a lot younger because I probably would have dealt with a lot of things better now. But, you know, in the last couple of years, even just having a couple conversations doesn't always have to be super deep has just helped me move forward in that aspect. Yeah. And then I kind of wanted to touch lastly, just on uh, physical, is there anything that you've done to develop physically, whether that's your sleeping habits, eating habits, exercising, anything that you can think of? Mm-hmm. Well, I know that movement is very beneficial for mental health. I would say I've gone through a really long phase due to COVID of not doing any working out, really not not doing much of anything, which I always loved your posting of like your elliptical or whatever you have at your house. My Peloton. <laughs> Yeah, that like you were doing during COVID. I was like, damn, that's great. I, I'm sitting on the couch eating chips. <laughs> Honestly, that was only year two. Year one, I was trash. I was a couch potato. Yeah. I did nothing, but I think everybody did because like yeah. that affected my mental health, COVID as a whole, but in yeah. a positive way also. I don't want to focus on the negative. I don't know about you, but it really made me like be stuck with my thoughts and slow down because I was very much go, go, go before. And that's where kind of, I noticed my anxiety a little bit more because I'm like, holy shit, I actually have to deal with my problems. I can't just pretend that they don't exist by working nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The first year was rough, you know, trying to kind of push through that. But then the second year I ended up getting a Peloton. I've been I've gone through big fluctuation in my weight where when I first started dating Steven, I was probably like unhealthy skinny. I was really, really tiny. And then, you know, getting into relationship, getting more comfortable. Then I put on a bunch of weight, lost some, put on, and it's kind of been like this uphill battle. Biggest issue for me is that I've been unhappy, but not really actively making efforts. Yeah. We can kind of get into bad habits and, and make excuses and, Part of the second year into COVID was I didn't want to have a reason to say I can't go to the gym. So having Peloton physically in my house, I'm like, bitch, go do it. You better work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I I sympathize with the fact that it's it was hard during COVID. But do you feel like COVID helped you improve any of those physical aspects at all? Whether it was focusing on better sleep patterns or anything like that. Well, you know, what's interesting is because everything was shut down, we started going out in like forest walks a lot more like doing hikes and stuff. And that made a huge difference. And I know, like scientifically going out into nature, definitely some I can't even like tell you what they are, but like whatever the trees expel, literally you breathing it in helps de-stress you like it's a fact you'd have to look it up because I am not a scientist. But (laughs) out in nature for sure helps you relax and that was huge for us and I think like being stuck inside with three children was fucking nuts and like to go outside and breathe in nature and a lot of it was like always obviously like over winter which sucks so bad right like it was cold and and brisk outside but having that cool air going outside with the kids fresh air nice cool breath they're able to just run around and roam like that was so beneficial for us so it kind of shifted how much we prioritized getting outside and doing that kind of stuff not that we didn't before we loved the beach we were huge like we played outside it's not like that we didn't do that but using it as a tool of like holy shit we're cooped up we're stressed let's go outside 
and go do something like for a walk was huge and made a big difference for us that way for sure. And then I know like going to the gym and working out or yoga or whatever you're doing, that also has a chemical reaction that helps you de-stress as well and manage stress. And then sleeping is a huge deal because again, I'm not a scientist, but there's science behind the amount of sleep that you get before 12 o'clock midnight, like your hours of sleep totally and the hours of sleep you get before midnight that break down the already accumulated stress in your brain and help you feel rejuvenated and less stressed the next day. So that makes a huge difference. I do not go to bed before midnight very often. I am a night hawk. I really? love staying up late. Oh yeah. I'm really bad, but I know that it's healthy. So if I'm feeling overwhelmed, like I'll definitely be going to bed by like 10 and right. that's huge for me, but I just, it's a, it's being able to check in with yourself and recognizing when you need those kinds of things. Or obviously, if you feel like you've been eating shit lately and you're feeling kind of slouchy and gross, then, you know, make yourself a, a smoothie that has spinach in it or like, you know, whatever little thing that you can do. Something that I know for sure is that you cannot make a whole bunch of changes at once. That is not sustainable. You can't go, okay, well, I don't work out. I don't go to sleep on time. I don't eat healthy. I don't this. So I'm going to do all those things this whole week. You're setting yourself up for failure because you can't input so many new habits at once obviously you have to do small steps right the slight edge book is something about like you know teeny little steps that accumulate into bigger outcomes and that would be you know going to the gym two times a week you know would definitely just change your level of stress and you know maybe if you want physical outcomes maybe you'd gain some muscle or lose some weight like that would be a small thing that over time if you did that consistently all the time that'd make a huge difference right or if you impl implemented having some greens in your diet more than you do right now, that one difference will make a huge accumulated outcome for like months if you've had that much, you know, more vitamin D, vitamin K, vitamin A than you would have otherwise. Can so you I see my like, greens back there? Is that why you said that? Oh, I can't point. Right no, there. what? Oh, is <laughs> my, it? That's funny. My greens. Yeah. I put it out and I'm like, I'm going to have greens today. And then I had it before we uh, had this call. I didn't want my teeth to be green. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. I agree with you. I, I'm I'm not much of a book reader. I did actually buy your badass. Honestly, don't know what I did with it. I didn't read it. Oh my, it's so and good. The subtle art of not giving a fuck. I also bought that book and then Stephen gave it to somebody and I never got it back. Uh, but a book that I want to mention is don't quote me on the title, but it's like atomic building atomic oh atomic habits. habits. Yes. Yeah. Is that, is that what you were referencing? Because like, I've heard that that is like one of the best books to read. If you want to start incorporate, you know, new habits into your lifestyle, but understanding exactly what you're saying, small things at once, like don't try to do five things in one week and be like, this is yeah. what I'm going to do because that's not how you build any habits. You have to do small, yeah. you know, and then incorporate that into your routine eventually yeah. so that's one thing at a time. Yeah, that's two different books, but they're the same kind of premise. The Slight Edge is a book. It's white and it has like a scale like this. Mm -hmm. And then um, Atomic Habits, I think, is like an orange book or something, right? I, I think so. I don't have it. That's I, one I actually want to buy. I'm, I'm going to look up right now another book that I wanted to say because it was so beautiful. It's by Glennon Doyle. You maybe already know it by me saying that book. It's pink and beautiful. Oh, it's called Untamed. Oh, I that love was that. such a good one. I, I have that. I've never read it. <laughs> I am Look terrible. Yes. Isn't it I have. So pretty? 
Yeah, I have that and I haven't yeah. bought it because I heard that that was one of the best books. So oh, I definitely, so I definitely need to add that and start. That's, that's a small habit I need to do is I need to read. I want to read like five yeah. minutes every day, but I never, don't make the time. I shouldn't say I never, I don't have yeah. an excuse. I just haven't made the time for it. I haven't made it a priority. I think like a huge benefit is audible too. like having an audio, because like you said about listening to podcasts, like I drive to work, I drive home, you know, I, I do dishes, I do laundry. Like during that, you can have your headphones in and have someone be reading to you rather than you having to read, which is like way good when you're ADHD as well. And you're like, I read the same sentence three times. What is this saying to me? <laughs> that's, that's me. So you, you use audible. Is that the app that you yeah. use? Yeah. I, sh- I should look into that and it reads it out to you. Yeah. And sometimes it's read by the author, which I think is just so great because then they know like the inflexes that they wanted to be like, you know, they wanted to put the impact or what's it called the emphasis on a certain words, you know, they're reading it with like their own, not candor, what's it called cadence, which is like the rhythm. And like, you're really hearing the message that they were trying to read or write for you, which I love that. I need to do that. Well, before we close out, is there anything I want to play a game, but is there anything that you wish I would have asked you? No, I just hope that I said something that was valuable. Yes. You said so many things that were valuable. I feel like I'm going to go look up all the books that you mentioned. So actually what Uh, you should do is after send me the titles and I'll put it in the description of the episodes. But if people want to look at any of the books that we mentioned that they can. Perfect. Okay, so we're going to get into a quick kind of would you rather. Um, okay. So I'm just going to fire them off to you and you just tell me which one works for you. So okay. would you rather find your true love in life or land your dream job? Oh my gosh, love for sure. Fuck working. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm here for that. <laughs> would you rather like to know when your life is going to end or how you're going to die? <sighs> Maybe how? How? Yes, you can avoid it. (laughs) Change it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then I'm like, I don't have like this zooming countdown over my head also. Yeah, I think if I knew when, then you'd constantly just be like trying to do too many things and you wouldn't enjoy it as much. I'd kill myself with stress before that date for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Would you rather like to live in a world that didn't have music or a world that didn't have television? Television for sure. Yeah, you can live without music. Yeah, like, yeah, no, wait, no way. I don't know if I would be able to pick between the two. I feel like I couldn't live without television because I love my trash I do TV. love TV, <laughs> but like how fucking boring if there was never music. That's true. That is true. I don't know. That's a hard one. Yeah, um, would you is. rather have the power to travel back in time or forward in time? I think forward in time. Forward, Yeah. Would you rather have the ability to walk on water or bend time and space? Oh my. Time and space, I guess. <laughs> Would you rather live the rest of your life dealing with silent gaps that you couldn't control or a loud sneezing that you couldn't stop? I feel like I already have both of those. What's this question? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> sneezing? would you rather have all of your shirts be two sizes too big or a single size too small yeah me too I'm for the too big I would you rather skinnier maybe (laughs) yeah same (laughs) would you rather be forced to speak in a way that only involves rhyming or speak in a way that uses constant alliteration rhyming it'd be so annoying but it'd also be funny (laughs) 
I think that I would die if I had to rhyme all the time. That'd be too much. You just did. I know. <laughs> I realized that right after I said it. Um, would you rather be trapped in a room with 1 million tarantulas for 10 minutes or be forced to eat 10 tarantulas in 10 minutes? Neither. God. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? I'm stunned. Uh, the second one, I guess. <laughs> and then last. But I don't know. <laughs> last. Would you rather be forced to never wear makeup again in your life? Or be forced to never leave the house again without a complete full face of makeup from a children's set. <laughs> Gosh, never wear makeup again. I think I would probably just do my makeup from a children's set. I don't know if I could never wear makeup again. Like my eyebrows, I can live without. So I'm not wearing. Are you wearing foundation right now? No. So I just put a little bit of bronzer on, a little bit of highlight, and then filled in my eyebrows. But my eyelashes, it, it's game over. I could never not have my eyelashes I take them off like every week for a couple days give my eyes time to breathe but I don't think I could never have them on oh my gosh but then like a a children's set wouldn't even have mascara would it I don't know (laughs) probably not (laughs) what I'm picturing is like the little like heart makeup kit that was like creamy pink and blue and like those nasty things I was like "Uh -uh, nothing yeah you know you might be right that's that's pretty (laughs) yeah you look like a clown Yes, you would. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for coming on. I've really enjoyed this conversation and kind of getting to know some more things about you that I thought I knew a lot about, but I guess I didn't know everything. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Well, that concludes today's episode. Bye, Vibers. The quote of the episode. Remember, you are in control of how you show up in the world. I hope you choose to be big and not to shrink for the comfort of others. Give yourself permission to take up space and bloom wildly without regret. Beautiful, but